Dotnet Rocks episode 610 with guests Scott Stanfield and Tim Huckabee. Recorded live Thursday, October 26th, 2010. This episode is brought to you by Telerik and by Franklins.net, training developers to work smarter, and now offering video training on Silverlight 4 with Billy Hollis and SharePoint 2010 with Sahil Malik. Order online now at franklins.net. And now here's Carlin Rich. Hey, Netherlands! Welcome to .NET Rock! Yeah, yeah short and sweet, just there like you go. Yep, they're like that here. Well, this is actually, a, I would call this an intimate crowd, wouldn't you? I would, absolutely. This is a cool venue. We've never been here before. I mean, we've done SDC a bunch of times, and I've been going for more than 10 years. First time we've ever been in this particular venue. We're in Zeist. Zeist. Which is a good name. Yeah, I like Zeist. I especially like it on my cereal in the morning. Okay. Yeah. They're not laughing. You didn't say Marmite. (laughs) I didn't say Marmite. Vegemite, Marmite. Hey, guys. What's up? Uh, Hello, gentlemen. Tim Huckabee, Scott Stanfield. Uh, We're always, when we talk to you guys, we're always talking about UI and UX, user experience. This is when everyone just switched off the radio. Yeah. 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 Or, well, I didn't necessarily say that's what all we're going to talk oh, about today. Oh, okay. Good. Yeah, good. I, th- I think we really need to start off with the, the train story here. Like, you guys have been... We've been all traveling Ooh. together for more than a week. <laughs> we were in Bulgaria together. Well, you were. You're, Kim was down in South Africa. And then we, you two met in Munich. Yeah. Then so we, I, I came from South Africa. I did the Microsoft event in South, South Africa. And then Scott... Flew in from where were you? I was in Bulgaria, and, and we oh, yeah. pick, and we so, picked. Yeah. But tell me, we we picked Munich. We did. There were two tables that we joined. The table was a direct flight from Johannesburg. That's one table, and we joined it with the list of Star Alliance airlines, and we came up with five cities to, in which to meet. Okay. So we had five rows. And we're like, uh, London, app eh, in there, Lisbon. So the real the, story is what happened in Munich at the train station. Let's just talk how we get to Munich, not how we left Munich. <laughs> Well, how do we start? I don't know. It's hot. Do you want my side of it or his? (laughs) It's probably your side. My side. So we, you know, and clearly our wives are not pleased about us partying three days in Munich for no business reason, right? Presumably you did some, because you guys both run, I mean, somewhat similar companies. Yeah, we commiserated over a lot of beer. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Yeah, So anyways, the, the train story. So Scott has this weird phobia of flying. Not, any, not anymore. It's, it's international fun. man of mystery, and he has this weird thing about flying. He, he obsesses over the weather and all this stuff. So anyways, he says, we'll take a train from Munich to Old, Old Tricked? Utrecht. Utrecht, right? <laughs> Instead of just flying here. And Microsoft would have paid for our flights, mm. right? Mm-hmm. No, we have to take this nine-hour train ride, and it's going to be beautiful. Of you guys are like wasn't. an old married couple. I like we, are, we are. We yeah. are. <laughs> Well, you, you know, we've been now been together for three days and without out a lot of sleep and a ton of eating and drinking. So, Scott, uh, as much as I love him and we've known each other uh, 15 years, has an upset. The other obsession he has is taking stupid photographs. <laughs> <laughs> lots you know, of them. Lots of them. So the most inane photographs, which you saw in the keynote. Yeah. You know, I now I kind of tied it together. There's some. I think I took the the flight phobia. 
and moved it to uh, fo- yeah. photos. So right. keep going. I'll take so a photo Scott, of this live. Scott is like a um, little Japanese guy. You know, he, he takes <laughs> he takes pictures of food. He takes pictures. So, anyways, this is a this is a he does. He takes pictures of food. Okay. Every meal we order, he takes a picture of it. Like if it's mine, it's his. It's it's just annoying. So after three days, I'm like, my God, too. no more pictures. I'm sorry, what? I think he had a lot of pictures of beer too. I yeah. think I've seen those. A- everything. Every, except for humans and like churches and things that you would take pictures of. See, someday he's going to sit down with his kids and go through his life one day at a time. There's yeah. a lot. There are a lot of signs of Helvetica. I was Helvetica spotting. Ah, uh, okay. He was annoying. That was a typeface. So, thank you. This could be a really long story. Let me yeah, get, let's to just get to the chase. To the chase. We have to make a train change in um, Cologne, Germany, and um, you know Americans aren't trained people. You know, we don't even have trains where I, I, I live. Yeah, I love trains. Well, can you figure them out? <laughs> yeah. Well, where I'm, where I'm from, yeah. Yeah. We don't even have trains in California. We, everyone drives a car and we smash into each other when it rains. And so anyways, we're late. The train is late. A German train. A German train. A German train. Think oh, about that. Oh, somebody's going to get fired. <laughs> yeah. A German train is late like 12 minutes and we have, I don't know, what was that? Like a quarter mile? Maybe 400 meters, 400 meters to get to our connection. But we knew what the connection was. And there's people everywhere at this point because they're all late and they're rushing around. So um, I have this giant suitcase because I've been on the road for close to three weeks. So I'm a little bit stressed and I'm running over Germans' toes and they're getting pissed at me. And, and Scott is like, you know, a Japanese tourist. He's like, oh. <laughs> there is an enormous, I mean, when we were pulling up to the station, it was on the right side of the train. And it's people in the, pa- the passengers getting ready to get off said, there's this beautiful view. Mm. I'm like, okay, I see the train station. Is that what you're talking about? And they go, no, the other window. And I look over and there's this church. I have to raise my head about 40 degrees vertical to see the top of it. It's, it's enormous. I mean, it's the the Cologne Dome Church. It was beautiful. It's a beautiful church that is totally obscured from view by the train station. <laughs> okay. And I have a camera too, right? And I've been taking legitimate pictures. I was in Africa, for God's sakes. <laughs> so I'm like, I'm not taking a picture of that. It's got this industrial thing in the way. So I press on and everyone gets on the train and I make it and I get on there. And I'm like, you know, I find us a place to see. And Scott is still taking pictures. The train is late. Scott's taking pictures. Well, I'm thinking they're gonna. They're not gonna leave. They're not gonna leave me. I'm an American. <laughs> exactly. See the problem. See the problem. <laughs> so I'm like, where is he? And I look out, and I'm like, I'm. I can. I can't even yell to him because he's like 30 feet away. I'm like, ah, you know, f it. You know. So I sit down, and then I hear the final announcement, and he's not on the train yet. And I so I walk to the door as it's closing, and I see him. <laughs> and the door closes and scott well i well here's the thing i've been watching the, i've been observing that i've been taking a lot of pictures of the train and not only is there a sign that tells you how fast they go which is awesome like 290 kilometers per hour but there's buttons to open the doors there's a green button a red button and so i'm like okay i see the door shutting and i think oh no i saw the button so i thought instead of sticking my arm in to, to stop it which is probably a good thing i start pushing the button and it does nothing yeah, I'm pushing the button from the inside, too, right? <laughs> and you can't, you know, the trains are like one-way mirror, right? You know, you, you can't see in, but I can see out. I can see the panic on his face. <laughs> and there's an emergency lever, but you don't, you don't pull an emergency level on a, lever on a German train, right? <laughs> I mean, they put you in jail. So we start pulling away, and Scott is like, 
<laughs> for those of you at home saying call me yeah, <laughs> but when I was taking the photo there were a thousand people on the platform and in the space of three exposures they're gone they all got sucked into the train they all got on the and train and I turned around and then and they're and I'm banging on it and it, it's it's gone now it, the worst part is because I planned all this yeah, yeah. That's right. yeah the worst part is where's your luggage I'm holding the tickets <laughs> which means I'm on a German train without a ticket and my friend is is zooming away or I'm zooming away from him and uh, well you know to to finish the story we heard that there's no more trains so I'm thinking like well he's gonna get a flight and you know no big deal the conference folks will pick me up and then it the realization that I don't have a ticket on a German train. <laughs> and sure enough, I'm sweating this. I'm stressing. I can't even work on my presentations. You know, I can't do my computer. I'm like, what am I going to say? When I... Well, the, the, the train guy comes down. He's punching everybody's tickets. And he comes to me, and I'm just dying. Right? <laughs> and he says, your ticket! <laughs> and I say... You know, I've paid for a ticket on this train, but I don't have it because my friend got stranded in Cologne. I'm, I sound like my wife, you know. I'm, pra- I'm practically crying. And, he, and he's back there. And, I, you know, I could pay for another one. And he basically said, that is unacceptable. <laughs> I know you'd relate to that. And he says, but I think what happens is we're in the first car. And the um, the driver of the train, the captain, the, what do we call these guys? The engineer. conductor, the yeah, the engineer that drives the train. He watched Scott the whole time. He could have opened yeah, the door. Yeah, what the hell? He was only like thirty feet away. He was watching Scott flail, like let me in. <laughs> and then I'm sure they all told each other, and so my story sounded plausible, <laughs> right? So he says, "I tell you what," in German, um, he says, "This is a big problem, but if you get the credit card number." I come back, I check, maybe you don't go to jail or something like that. Right? <laughs> so for for four, what was it? Like three hours, I'm just sweating it well, out and I, I'm dying. And, uh, my, I'm thinking, okay, what? I have to go get another train. And I, I walk over and I say, I just missed my train. And I'm thinking, I can't tell them I missed it because they asked, why'd you miss it? I can't see because I was taking pictures. <laughs> I had a luggage malfunction. That was my excuse. <laughs> and so they pull up, no problem. Here's, here's the new itinerary. And I start writing it down. I realize... So I'm going like there's like four cities. I don't like I don't really care about the stops in between. I just need to get to Utrecht. And um I realized those are all I have to change four more times. This is already changing Frankfurt. Oh, that's not gonna work. I said, which one would you take? And so I waited, but the whole time I have to go downstairs, put my luggage away, get my ticket stamped. I'm in inside an enormous iron building. A very big building. It's basically a Faraday cage, and I have no cell phone signal. So when I finally made it out to take pictures of the church, which, by the way, I have a lot of pictures of that church now, <laughs> I, I get my, my cell phone start going off like, <laughs> like a bell just constantly. And Tim's messages, number one, is, uh, I can't believe you just did that. <laughs> <laughs> Try calling me, and I don't have a ticket. Hey, are you getting these? Hey, I need to talk to you pronto. <laughs> I need the number on your Amex. The train people are pissed. <laughs> so, so I had a good time in Cologne. But for there actually is a, a tie into user interface and user experience, and that is it's a lesson learned. If you're going to put a button on a door, just put it, it had better work. Either that or accompany it with a little sine wave tone, just a 
15 seconds before it shuts. You just needed a beep. If you had a, beep, a small beep, a polite beep, probably would have gotten your But these eye. damn trains are so efficient and they go so fast, but they're so quiet. I had no idea the doors were shutting. I went back last night and looked at my photos and I have a photo of the door shutting halfway. But I wasn't paying attention. He's no. taking pictures as I'm getting stranded in the train. <laughs> yeah. I'm telling you, you're a little Japanese guy. <laughs> I didn't offend anybody with that, did I? I mean, that's a common stereotype. Do you think, it's, think we should start the show now? Oh, what the heck? Wow, that was, yeah. yeah so now it's all going to be expunged. Nice. But that was a fun story. Yeah. That was our trip. Are you guys rivals? Like, no. you've got Internology, no. you've got Vertigo, you wow. both build demo apps from Microsoft some of the time. Yeah, the, the way I always position <laughs> there goes the microphone. <laughs> oh, I didn't get the joke. I'm like, there goes the camera again. He's going to take a picture of the bridge behind us. Uh, the way I always position it, and I don't know how you position it, is um, we're both custom app dev. We both do a ton of WPF, Silverlight, stuff like that. Scott's firm is more of a design firm focused on streaming media. Fair enough? We have a lot of streaming media. Yeah. And, and we're an engineering firm that builds apps. We, we don't. If we get an opportunity for streaming media and Silverlight, we throw it over to the wall to them. We've done joint projects together, so we're more like friendly yeah. competitors. And there's here's the, there's plenty of good opportunities in business out there. More work than you can do. Yeah, yeah. So I don't see it that way. Now, people think we're competitors because um, we tend to get the most keynote demos, aren't right? yeah. we? We build two of you. It's one of well, the yeah. other on stage. Well, they think we're competitors because we're so handsome. I'm uh, handsome. You're, <laughs> you're not. I'm, you're Brad Pitt, and I'll be... Um, you know, Joe these Piscopo. people didn't pay good money to come here and sit and see you guys why. compliment each other. So we want right. a bitch slap smackdown here. Oh well, I thought you did nothing but SharePoint. <laughs> <laughs> and I thought you did nothing but Objective C. Oh man, <laughs> I did a little bit of that was ugly. So typically, the keynote demos you see Scott and his company in are. Um, <laughs> Stuff that Microsoft engages them directly for. And typically, the keynote demos we do, we bring a customer on stage. Okay. Right? I mean, there are exceptions to everything. Well, we had, yeah. Right well, we had Playboy. That was a customer. But they weren't on stage. Yeah, they weren't Microsoft allowed on stage. Handed you. <laughs> no, no. They, we, no, they had nothing oh, to do that. Yeah, Rolling Stone and Playboy. Okay, so not Vertigo them. has real customers, too. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Well... Uh, we um, have been talking a little bit about the future of user interface and user experience, and it certainly is a good time to speculate on what that future might look like because we're on the cusp of so many breakthroughs, and we've had breakthroughs already. Certainly, Surface and iPhone sort of emerged on the scene about the same time. And uh, correct me if I'm wrong, Tim, but you know, the what, what didn't Microsoft have patents on that whole touch thing before the iPhone came out and then there was a suit from Microsoft to Apple about it. Wasn't you're, that... you're asking me to weigh in on the lawyer well, side? But isn't that what happened? There now? is some contention from a legal perspective between those two companies. Yeah. Okay. It's, it's, you know, but wow, Apple did that it. That was an amazing answer. <laughs> See, you I've grown up. that one right out. <laughs> I've grown up. Well, I was <laughs> In the old days, to, I would have said. I'm just trying to establish different. the fact that they were both concurrently developed. Um, yeah, the Microsoft folks can rightfully maintained that they invented the pinch gesture and, and, and things yeah. like that. Apple just made it big. Yeah, sure. Right? So I, I don't believe we should patent pinch gestures or yeah, any maybe. gestures. Yeah. Squishing your head. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, anyway, um, so Surface obviously, you know, was what it was, and you've, you've done a lot of development for it. Um, I don't know what's coming next in Surface land or if it's, if it's, 
thrown in the trunk of the closet or whatever. Um, okay, well, let's establish that, you know, there are reasons. It's a dead product, right? No. Uh, there, there are reasons that, um, God, you threw me with that dead product thing. <laughs> I, I would like Scott to weigh in on, on this, too, because the mind. surface is not prevalent um, in a consumer market for a number of reasons that it's are not technical. dollars coffee table. <laughs> right. Yes. That would be one of the reasons. <laughs> uh, it's expensive. Um, we have built over 50 production surface applications. Wow. wow. $15,000 is not a lot of money for many of these companies. That The device cost is not significant to these companies. Um, the surface team, you know, focusing only on four or three verticals and if if you were in a vertical they didn't cover you weren't allowed to have a surface i mean there were there were some weird you know we want to build our brand type things that that prevented them i think from being a mainstream device do you agree i totally agree my i I think the the era of these very narrow-minded verticals and the way the, the partners work is very limiting i mean why say we're going to come out and this device is only suitable for x y and z because we're all going to come up with what about A, B, and C, and we get yeah, turned away. I mean, but, why? But that's how that's how PCs have always worked, right? We don't we look for when we build a product people using it in ways we didn't expect. Absolutely. The other problem is that um, God, how do we say this politically correctly? There is an amazing device that will be you could buy it on November seventh. What is what is that? So I think it's November fourth. Mm-hmm. November fourth, and it's Connect. Yes. Yeah. The Connect Project is Natal. that um, Xbox, Project Natal, you know, a, a lack of a physical interface to a computer. It's an awesome device. Uh, you really just got to describe it a little bit better than that. Okay, I mean, go for it. You, you, the Wii certainly liberated people in terms of remotes and gaming. But uh, Connect, imagine something that has cameras that's looking at you, identifying you by your face, face recognition, looking at your gestures, and in as real time as real time gets for this, allowing you to just use your hands, your body, your movements to do whatever the game requires you to do. Minority report. Yeah, it's essentially that. It's futuristic. A billion it. points. It it recognizes it. It scans you at a billion points. So if somebody walks through the room and goes past you, it's not going to start tracking them. It focuses on you. Well, if you walked in the room, it would say, hey, Carl, do you want to play this game too? Yeah, it's that good. And, and it would tell the difference if Scott and I were playing, I don't know, table tennis against each other. It would recognize the difference between my hand and his hand. Yeah. And it, I did It's this. an amazing device. I, I did a game in Vancouver. They had one of these out. And I did a game where the whole idea was to just fly. Like you, you put your hands out like this to stop flying. You put your hands down at your sides to go up. You put your hands up to go down. You step forward and backwards to move forward and backwards in the game. And you're essentially like going through mazes and tunnels and things coming at you and trying to catch things to put your hand out to catch it. Uh, and it was a simple little game if you think about it. But the only thing that I can say about it that drove me a little bit crazy is there's just a slight delay between when you move and when it registers that you move. And I don't mean it's like a second it's less than a second it's milliseconds but it's but it's still just but when was latency. this it was just a few weeks ago at, at uh, vancouver okay because the they did a demo in the keynote at TechEd um south africa on the production pits oh yeah and they pulled somebody a guy out of the audience 
And someone from the Connect team played this boat game where you're steering a boat. Have you seen this game? No. And the the um, there's no latency. The fidelity of the the experience was shocking. And this guy just stepped right up and did it and was very proficient at it. First yeah. time. It was it was pretty impressive. No. So why the heck are we talking about the Connect on DNR? It's because the four of us share a fear. Right, that it will be compartmentalized into verticals that won't allow us access to do amazing, unheralded things with it. There's so many more things to do with a device like that that have nothing to do with gaming. Yeah, I don't want to build an arcade game. I want to build a home healthcare solution. I would, yeah, I would go so far as to say that that type of interface will take over from a mouse-based interface for if, a lot of applications. If we are exposed in API, yeah, just give us an SDK. Whatever it may be, just give us give us the APIs, preferably in .NET, please. But if we're not You're there, right. we'll find something and let us experiment. I, you know, the first thing I thought of when I, I stick this on top of a monitor and I can create a whole new class of security policies. I could actually set up a window where if anybody looks over your shoulder, that window blacks out because mm-hmm. I can see who's looking. Oh, the, at the use screen. cases oh, are that's spectacular. Great for games that work, isn't yeah. it? <laughs> boss mode, the boss key. A it's new ju- a new dimension of boss mode. Yeah, right. I mean, the use cases are. Well, Endless, and I'm sure our good friend Scott has some. Well, yanking the microphone. Out of well, me. I just want to say, I mean, there three years ago there was a device that came out that was innovative and touch based that was a closed system with with no applications, no copy and paste, <gasps> and it was successful despite not having an app store. But once they did have the app store, I'm talking about Apple, of course. They got 250,000 apps. Well, they also know? did it under protest too, right? Yeah. They, I mean, the whole reason the app store and all that stuff came along is that people were simply hacking the phone, right? Mm-hmm. Jailbreak came along. We were building apps for it because Jobs had told us. Everything will be run through Safari. It'll just be web apps on the yeah, phone. Right. Yeah. He, was, he was totally against the App Store, I'm yeah. told. Well, it, yeah, they, they, so they did it under duress and remarkably successful. And and Microsoft is building an App Store for their phone. You know, we're going mm-hmm. down the same path. Mm-hmm. There's already apps in there. We, ha- we have an application for one of our customers in there. And so do we. Finally. Yeah, so it's good. Yeah, then, so the, the, but it's fine. We, you, if you just tune in in the middle of this, we're sounding like we're open, open source advocates, which... Okay, maybe that makes us, but just make this platform open so we can do some great things with it. Yeah, that's that's what I want. I want well, well the, to the phone guy's credit, the Windows Phone 7 credit, you know, they, mm-hmm. they went in with Silverlight from the shoot and mm-hmm. encouraged developers to build apps. And we were skeptical, weren't we? Because, yeah. you know, I have a Windows 7 phone, you have one, but there were no apps appearing. Well, what was it, a couple of days ago, yeah. a ton of apps appear. And yeah. they're hoping, did you hear the, the number they're hoping for no. at launch? They are hoping for a hundred thousand apps at launch. No, they were hoping for a thousand. Yeah. Well, they, now so now they blew that out a hundred thousand, and I think uh, Brandon Watson said they're going to settle on somewhere between sixty and seventy-five thousand apps at launch. That's crazy. The press wow. told them not enough. Don't care. Irrelevant. Believe that's crazy. Sixty thousand apps. You already can't look through them. Like that's no. unmanageable yeah. and already. Then you have to focus on a, a highly interactive and functional search. In the in their own marketplace. Well, it's 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 like another patch of gold has just been discovered because that's what yeah. mobile has been. It's, a gold it's rush. been a gold rush, and I do think it's hard. I mean, the SDK hasn't been out that long, and it's so hard to get your hands on a phone. It's hard to create sixty thousand quality apps. The ones that I've seen that Microsoft's been um, in the showcase, I've been really surprised. I mean, it's it's a different metaphor. It's it's um, more content based versus app based. It's typographically focused. That's um, metro, which is very nice for Metro, the Metro UI. Um, and they have a couple of innovative um, UI controls, the pivot and panorama, that lend itself to a new kind of application or a different paradigm 
that you don't have on on the iPhone, for example. So I have hope because of that, and also have hope because everyone in this audience can develop for it. You know, there's the learning curve straight from Silverlight. It's sure. uh, there's four million people, or plus or minus, that earn a living in Silverlight. So there would be a great, you know, right out of the gate, and the tools are great. I don't know about the hardware. That's the thing I'm concerned about, and I don't I don't really care about you know the speed or the RAM and all that. At a certain point, we kind of have. It needs to be performant enough so the transitions are good. I'm more worried about the whole ecosystem and the feel of the phone, not in the first five minutes when you're in the store, but over time. Does it start to get annoying or does it work? This portion of .NET Rocks is brought to you by Telerik JustCode. If you're like me, you're probably using some productivity add-on in Visual Studio to check, refactor, and test your code. But how would you like to get a complete list of your solution's errors on the fly as you type? and not just for the opened files. The new kit on the block, JustCode, does just that for all supported .NET languages as well as JavaScript. It's like having a compiler running all the time, only that JustCode is faster and requires less CPU time. One area where JustCode is definitely better is performance. The tool provides the fastest code analysis and better performance without slowing down Visual Studio. Another reason to try it is JavaScript support. It'll help you read, navigate, and refactor your JavaScript code better than you've ever imagined. Learn more about the features JustCode offers and download a trial at telerik.com slash justcode. And don't forget to thank them for supporting .NET Rocks. Tim, you told a great story, and this is years ago now, about your daughter's need for a gold iPod. (laughs) It was pink. Was it pink? It was the pink. pink, The pink uh, iPod. The pink iPod had to be pink. Yeah, that's about Apple and the brand and the branding effect. And I, you know, it occurred to me that Microsoft could plug into that with the WinPhone Seven with one game. It would be an extension. You know what it would be called? What? Halo. Yes, right. I think it's called Facebook. All all you've got to do is put Halo Halo. Halo game on that phone that unlocks a weapon in the regular (laughs) Halo game that that you can get no other way. Like it's your radar. So one might speculate that there are not complete dumbasses at Microsoft. And that they might be way listening? ahead of you. Hey, Redman, are you listening? No, they're for for my fifteen year old to want this. Yeah. Uh, it's it's got to have phone seven. It's got to have Halo. It has something to do with Halo in it because that's his heroin, bad or good. You know, my yeah. wife hates that darn Xbox thing, but you know that's his that's heroin. The game. And that right? will sell thousands and thousands of phones to teenage boys. Why don't we just put hits of acid on it? Make <laughs> a lickable phone. You know? Because the consumer market we're talking about doesn't know what acid is. <laughs> That's why. Okay. What do you guys think about about voice, about speech recognition and using speech as an API, uh, as a UI? And, it, and an important part of this is Connect has very good microphones in it. Yeah. It's and speech way. recognition and... Yeah. Hey, Connect, it's Tim, in case you're in a dark room or you're walking from a long way away, you know, and it it, it ultimately gets you your profile immediately. <laughs> yeah. Well, what do you think about, you know, that as a future part? I mean, the, the stuff that's in Windows 7 right now, if you haven't seen it, it's really pretty good. It's pretty, pretty darn good. We, uh, Vertigo, we... Microsoft had a speech server product mm-hmm. and we've deployed it to customers. And my experience in speech is that it's... um. It's very difficult to get it right. It's the, the grammar uh, is tough. And you guys know it when you call an automated voice system, the first thing you say is, operator, 
yeah. agent, agent, help, go away, person, yeah, yeah. and yeah. and that's because as a um, as a UI, it's a, it's a very it's a it's a very tough one to deal in with in terms of usability. In terms of usability, in terms of, it's horrible, and and it's but quite. You know, you know what's gaining? Sorry, Scott, I didn't mean to cut you off. You know what? Shockingly. What is gaining wild popularity what? is that Ford, that Microsoft interface oh, to right. the yeah, yeah. sync. I got a demo yeah. of it the other day of an insurance agent in my neighborhood. Not a technology guy, you know, not a Microsoft insurance guy. agent driving a Ford vehicle. Yeah, with a sync State in Farm in, in agent, and I was shocked. It's awesome. It does a, everything. Uh, a complete vocal interface to everything in that thing. And a visual interface. So you got the, the big oh, screen, so, you know, you plug your iPod in or whatever. Um, it, it's, it's too bad. It can only be in that car. It really should be in every car. Well, it's a great speech, uh, text-to-speech and speech recognition in Windows 7. Yeah. And it's really good. And it the handwriting really stuff is great, too. It's just, it got, I'm looking at your motion computing tablet, uh, or whatever we call them, Slate. And uh, it was really this good This is my iPod. Pad point five. <laughs> <laughs> Before we get off speech, I want, but not by a show of hands, but by applause. How many people have uh, attempted to use the system dot speech uh, namespace recognition? Anyone? All right, we'll get. What's wrong with raising your hand on a radio show? <laughs> All right, what's the one guy? One guy. Yeah, one guy. All right, now can I ask you? Uh, are you still using it? No. No. Why? It was hard to use. Okay. Did you find difficulty in building grammars? Yeah. Yeah. I, I agree. Uh, and this is essentially kind of stuff that I've been trying to simplify. Uh, I don't know if I showed you yeah. guys, but I think yeah. I showed Scott. Very um, cool. I've been, yeah. The, what? It was very cool. Oh, very cool. Yeah. So the the way that you would build a grammar to recognize a sentence that has options in it, like I would like a, and then either small, medium, large, and then either Coke, Diet Coke, Sprite, root beer, orange, just to be able to say I would like a small root beer and be able to choose different sizes, turns out to be about 30 lines of code to create those choices, to add grammars, to build them, to put them together, and then to recognize and to parse and all that stuff. So what I had have done is turned that into an engine where you pass in a single string that denotes what the choices are right in the string by using curly braces and lists, things like that. And then it will return you um, a list of those choices the choices that were pulled out so you can just easily detect what the options were that they said. And that turns um, a, a really tedious process into something that's easy. So this is the kind of thing that I'm, I'm, I'm talking to people about. Building grammars is kind of difficult. And if, if it was simpler, you probably would use it. And maybe now, too, you can, you can try it out and test it yeah. if, it, if it's not working. Yeah. But now we're going to be talking to our computers, which yeah. is awesome well, for, our, for our image. Well, uh, uh, interestingly enough, when I, I worked on that product team at Microsoft in the late 90s, the... Um, Site server. Don't say it out loud. Ah. That's not the, the story. The, the audio guys you know, that were building uh, voice interfaces for cars back in the late 90s at mm-hmm. Microsoft shared an office space with Auto us. PC. Yeah, Auto PC, yeah. those guys. Yeah. Brilliant guys. And their challenge at the time has been overcome. Their challenge was there wasn't enough 
uh, power in the CPU right. to handle the little kid in the background going, you know, next song. <laughs> 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 and, uh, you know, that, that the hardware's gotten better, yeah. you know, at a consumer type, type price. So voice is realistic now in .NET. Yeah, there's, there's two audio tricks that people don't know much about that I think we've never taken advantage of. One is what's in the connect, which is this, uh, this spatial recognition audio where multiple microphones can figure out which person is talking of the heads yeah. they can Microphone arrays. That's yeah. another thing. Yeah. The, other, the other direction of this, which we really haven't seen much, is uh, interference-based audio where I use high-frequency sounds that are beyond the range of hearing to collide at a particular point to create audible sounds at a specific three-dimensional location in space. So the whole idea here is that you would hear a particular voice like it was right beside you rather than uh, it just coming from the speakers. Yeah, so believe it or enough, we did a WPF app for a hearing aid company in Minnesota, and we did exactly that. They they lay out the entire room in 3D audio, right? And the, the, the person getting tested for the hearing aid uh, moves around, and then we synthetically generate sounds like traffic and barking dogs and stuff like that. And they tune the hearing aid based on this WPF app. Totally cool. You know, like monitors all the way around. They're trying to get it to a consumer price, right? Because you can't, you can't give one of these doctors a, you know, a million dollar room. You know, you got to, right? So ultimately, though, that's where we'll be. You know, this company will be able to deliver that at a cost effective manner to every ear doctor. What do you call those people? Ear doctors. Ophthalmologists. Yeah, those guys and gals. I just wanted to add to the to the speech talk uh, that you the speech can of worms that you opened up there. It, you guys talked a lot about the technology behind it, and I definitely recognize a lot of those problems and needs. Um, my personal experience in IVR systems and things like that have not really been technology based, so I don't think we can we can dismiss the other side of that, which is the stuff that Scott talks a lot about when you talk about user experience and things like that. Most of these systems, no matter how good the grammar recognition or the voice recognition is, are programmed by morons. So most of the time, most most of the time, I don't know about this country in the states, you got to have an IQ of fifty or under in order to actually program these things. So and let, let when me you add- find yourself saying operator, operator, agent. Right. It's not because the recognition is bad. It's because you are used to anticipating the worst type of experience, voice yeah. interface, if you will, if we want to transfer user, you know, UI interface to voice interface experience in the world. You get lost in menu hell and you can't go back and yeah. it's just way, ridiculous. So the, so the listeners don't think that I just adopted a, an accent from New Jersey. <laughs> this is... Uh, into it. Yeah, this is, that was Miguel Castro speaking. Thanks, Miguel. Thank you. Thank you. What is on your head, Miguel? Yeah. Oh, just a Bluetooth Oh, okay, I uh, thought that was. Does that make you important? <laughs> it looks cool. That's pretty cool. It does. Yeah, it's Thank great. God we couldn't hear that. The, uh, you know, I'm thinking about where microphones are used in video games, and other than rock band slash guitar hero games, it's just screaming obscenities to competitors. Yeah. And like, you I know, keep it muted. Yeah. It's just in, grunts. In the Xbox. And, it's just, yeah. But. I have yet to see a game where voice interface would be part of the game. I mean, everybody's got a Xbox well, there's, headset. There are, like, um, there are some multiplayer games where voice is very important, but it's not to command the computer. It's to talk to your talk your to teams or like squad-based uh, games yeah. or, 
World of Warcraft for well, it just speaks to something. the challenge of using voice mm-hmm. as a command driver yeah. as opposed to you know communicating to other humans. I, I, um, well, go ahead. I don't know if I need to talk to my computer though. I mean, in a situation where I have my hands on the steering wheel, yes. Mm. Um, and what in, in trying to use those little GPS systems, especially the old ones from Hertz, where mm. it's one character at a time, it's ridiculous. So being able to speak the coordinates of where you're going. Well, I That's actually better. think that in the car is probably the per like you yeah. say is the perfect place for a voice app, especially if they can figure out how to you know dictate and send text messages and emails. No, and no, no, do don't do that. that. No, no, no. Because I don't want to do people speaking the, email because, while they're driving. Because updating Facebook status on the road. Yes, I'm driving because still. People are going to do driving. it with their hands if they can't do it with their voice. And if you give them the opportunity to do it with their voice and it works, you're going to save lives. Darwin I mean, it's might have that something to simple. Okay. Uh, and it has nothing to do with Darwin. Here's a here's a little anecdote from you for you. Uh, in some states in the United States, they have made illegal texting while driving, and it's good that they did, right? Yeah. Turns out it's not good. Accidents went up because of texting while driving. It's not that people stopped texting. It's that instead of doing it up here, now they up here during the, where they can see out the windshield. Now they're afraid of getting caught, so they hold it down by the stick shift or whatever. And they still do it, but that's hell of a lot more dangerous. It turns out accidents by because of texting while driving go up remarkably when you make it illegal. I, I'm actually savvy to this. And, yeah. and Scott and I are from the great state of California where it was le- – for a, at least a year, it was illegal to do a telephone call while yeah. driving. Yeah. But you could text. Yeah. <laughs> that's true. At least a you year. You couldn't hold it to your ear – but you could hold it in, yeah. And now crazy. we have a law that says you, you have to use a Bluetooth, like Miguel was just talking about. Yeah. You, you, you can't pick up your phone and do a telephone call while driving. In Connecticut, it's the same. But no one pays attention to it, at least in California. Everyone uses the phone because it's more dangerous to fiddle around with the stupid Bluetooth thing than it is just natively. You know, that's a gesture that we are accustomed to, putting the phone, not yeah. hitting the little button it's to really answer. It's looking away. That's the problem. Yeah. I, I wonder if touch is almost an interim step to everything being gesture-based. I, I believe it is. More, and that's common. kind of our keynote tonight, right? Yeah, I guess yeah, partly. That's like, yeah. I think there are other interfaces for the computer and for cars that are not touch-based, are not keyboard-based, Richard are not mouse-based. Richard and I were talking about the, the whole voice thing, and uh, it could be voice could be better used. Obviously, the problem with voice is not knowing exactly what the grammar is gonna gonna yeah. ask, because uh, is gonna recognize. Because the more options you give a grammar for you know things that you it could recognize, the the harder it is for it to determine what it is that you said. And so you want to keep the list of options that you can pick low. And in order to do that, you can't really have every permutation of speech in there available. You have to be a little bit more rigid. And therefore, the end user isn't going to know exactly, you know, that's the problem. So being able to show graphically what the options are as you're speaking in some nice, I can envision WPF way with the typefaces, 
not the fonts, the typefaces growing and glowing and moving around and the words and things and the things that you can say, not just like a static menu or text combined with speech and if possibly the, even if, gestures. If the latency is low enough to where maybe less than 50 milliseconds to where as you're speaking, it, it's lighting it up, you can almost predictively go ahead. Right. Then you end up learning the grammar very quickly of what right. options are available because right. I've got speech recognition in my car and you don't use it because you can't intuit what it right. is it should do. And that's why you have these things that Miguel's talking about where they ask you the most inane yes or no questions over and over again. Yeah. Do you really want to go? Th does you really want to explain every option in the list and ask you yes or no? Do you Why don't you just tell one? me the name of the movie you want to see? Yeah, exactly. That's exactly. Uh, I tell you what, um, the app I want to build, the use case for me um, is that there are millions of severely handicapped paraplegic yeah. people out yeah. there that are completely sharp and have no facility to do Facebook or, or right. you know, really be effective in a community. Yeah. With the Connect device, think about what you could do oh, God, for these yeah. people. You And you mentioned yeah. this home healthcare app, and I, I, I think I may have let it slip by. Just tell us what you mean by a home healthcare well, app. Well, there's, there's many scenarios for home healthcare that the most legitimate one, legitimate one is – for people who are unable to go to the doctor's office, you right. know, Grandma Huckabee gets a hip surgery, right? And they want to track her progress, whether it's physical therapy or not, or maybe just, you know, other vital type stuff. With a connect device and, and an internet connection and a computer, you know, the doctor literally could, well, what's the term? Kill two birds with one stone? Could see five times as many patients. By being able to stay in his office and see them via the connect? Yeah, and the connects a consumer well, device. Why wouldn't Skype work in the same way? Uh, because you couldn't see. Well, you're you're you know the reason, right? Well, yeah, you couldn't you couldn't it. see Grandma Huckabee, you know, Gesture. flexing her hip and showing flexibility, and those movements being tracked back to the mothership, right? You couldn't see the effect of the surgery. Well, you could see it with your eyes, but you wouldn't be able to have a computer understand it. I think is what you're saying. Well, I, yeah, in three D, you could see it, not a two D video right. of it. Right. Yeah, I mean, the Connect would actually give the tell you the range of motion of that yeah. leg. Attaching the monitoring devices to the patient, mm -hmm. but no attachment, right? Because there there are no strings to this thing. I think the limits. It's unlimited. It's the potential for this. It's almost better than than being able to see a person face-to-face -face because you're getting measurements, you're getting telemetry from the Connect device rather than just You're getting data instead yeah, you're getting of data. watching it, yeah. Right. I, I don't know about that. <laughs> let's, let's do them both at the same time. I think there's a tremendous amount of, you know, million-plus year of evolution in computing that our brains are very good at detecting. Um, you know, looking at your faces, I can tell how absolutely wrapped you are and engaged with this conversation. So, you know, so I can do that based on observation. But, you know, I don't know. Let's don't go so far. Telepresence, great. You know, if you break your leg in Antarctica or you need open heart surgery, well, there's something here. Like I did see like some Skype-based telemedicine where it was just bootstrapped. They needed to use the webcam, which was really good. So mm -hmm. maybe a combination of the No, two. it can be done. But, I mean, all those things are – the whole idea is that the – Understanding how much potential is in the connect, just as a general mm -hmm. consumer device. How many points did you say it adds? It it's, puts on your body. It's like millions, over a million. You said billions earlier. Well, it depends on how big you are. So, <laughs> <laughs> Carl may yeah, have a few more points than I uh, do. <laughs> my, that might be why my latency was not low, that I don't have actually. a lot of points. <laughs> I think he missed the joke. Uh, yeah, he did. That's okay.
I, I, I have a lower latency than you just because of the number of points. Yes. Yeah. Okay. We also talked about this uh, because my wife's in, in the garment industry and we're talking about could the Connect be used to do custom fit clothing or to actually let you virtually try on things? Yeah, actually, we're back to the consumer market. The consumer market, I mean, it makes total sense. I just want to browse my albums by waving my hand. That's really all I want to do. Today, uh, we change can do channels. That. We can do that. Yeah, change. we haven't even talked about cyber sex yet, which is the real application of Connect. <laughs> if you think about it, this you know this has been the, t- the the way technology has gone. Everybody's turning red. I don't know why. Uh, we're not going to build that. No, I'm, I'm not going to build it either. But that. you know, look at that the time. That's going to happen. <laughs> if you let <laughs> no, that SDK out into the wild, even if you don't, it could use the Xbox for that one. It does have an extensible architecture. <laughs> Uh, that's a different. It is a plug-in model. Yeah, that's nice. <laughs> Still virtual. <laughs> yeah, I can see why they might want to hold Which the SDK. Might have back. its advantages for those of us who have been married over twenty years. Yeah, what does the Catholic Church say about that? Actually, where does it say? Stop it. <laughs> Next topic quickly. Oh, <laughs> uh, we kid because we love each other. So, so we have. Talked about Connect. We've talked about voice, the Windows Phone. We haven't talked about Windows Phone 7 too much because I think we've been talking about it till we're blue in the face. But is there any other frontier in user interface that we have yet to – what about mind tracking? Yeah, so Richard and I are so doing – ESP. Well, it's not really a demo because we don't have the thing. But Richard and I are talking about the neural part of the natural user interface. That's controlling software – with your mind. Now I have And a I'm going to we're going to show a video of a demo of this. By the way, you can do it in .net. Yeah. It, it's pretty game, amazing uh, stuff. What's a, the name? I, I can't believe I forgot the name emotive. of the company. Emotive. 300 bucks. Yeah. I have a game called Mindflex which you put on electrodes and you concentrate and when you concentrate you're generating certain type of brain waves and when those wa- the the more those waves are a stronger signal gets sent. And then a fan turns and a ball goes up and down, and 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 it's so it's essentially you. It looks like you're telling the ball to move, and it moves right. And right. People are just that's what out. we're talking about. Yeah, the demo is compelling. Uh, it's in its infancy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this technology is gonna be so new. But that's so. Awesome. But you, it doesn't obviously read your thoughts, but it measures brain activity, electricity, and other biological uh, inputs. What can you do with that? <laughs> you can play games. Yeah. Well, they were, they were actually able to move around a three. You know, you were talking about your flying game. Right. So imagine that with this emotive headset where you just thinking about those different movements would allow I'm you I'm actually, no, I'm using Does it, it allow you to think about the movements? Not here? Like, does it, it allow you to I'm using say, it right now to update my back. Facebook status. <laughs> <laughs> no, back to my, the, the app I want the company to build, and that's to help out the millions of paraplegics out yeah. there. Mm-hmm. They can think, they can't move their hands. Just can't move. Yeah. Or in some cases, they can barely blink. Right. Mm-hmm. I, I would I, love to build the app. To, I actually to help did those see folks. something on Discovery Channel, and I can't remember what it was. It was where, emotive, I think. Well, this this was they were asking you to think about a letter, and the letter would appear on the screen. You could actually write a message by thinking about the letter. If you give an interface to people who can't speak or move where they can think and just produce text, 
man, you've helped, you've really helped the world. Right. And they've got the time to pour into it. Like, it doesn't matter if that takes a while. It's worth it if it opens the door Oh, yeah, the door absolutely. Up. Good point. Good point. Like, the latency just, doesn't really matter. Yeah, we, if we, it takes them an hour to think a sentence, it, their Facebook at, status, does, yeah. that's still very, very valuable. Sure. Because right now they can't do it. Wouldn't that be great? Well, that's a world I want to live in. Go ahead. There's something we can be doing now to help a different class of, of computing users. And those are uh, people that have very limited sight. Either they're blind or their their vision is very much impaired. Mm-hmm. And how many of you have an iPhone? Okay, bring it out. About a, well, yeah. about a quarter of the room? Yeah, about a quarter. Bring it out and go to... Um, go to uh, So this is in a different direction. But go to uh, accessibility under general, under settings. Settings, general, accessibility at the very bottom. It says voiceover. Now, don't do it now because your, all of your phones are going to start speaking at once. <laughs> um, but turn on voiceover. What does it do? Um, it now changes your phone. Voiceover on. Settings. Voiceover. Accessibility. Back button. So it's now reading me the, the things that are important. I can go forward voiceover. with my phone Heading. to have it read something else and go back. Accessibility. Back button. And then I can single tap to um, access voiceover. something. Voiceover on. Button. And it's a completely different way. Sorry, it's, I can't hear. It's a completely different way of capital V. Capital v. And it's now reading that it's using the NATO alphabet. You can tell to use the NATO alphabet to, to speak something. Um, I got to remember how to access something. Now I'm in a mode I can't get out, but it's like triple tap to, yeah, triple tap to go in. Now, imagine, so this power of someone who's not sighted, the way you can try this for yourself is have someone turn it on and have someone send you a, te- a text message. And keep with your eyes closed, navigate the system using just a couple different gestures. And you can, it will read you the text message and you can respond to it as well. And then try to do that with, um, try to do that with your favorite website. It's very difficult to do. Mm. So apps that are built for it or have some awareness um, can work really well. Now on the web, you can use extensibility. There's a couple of standards out now. And I think HTML5 might help around um, uh, the semantic meaning of the web to where you could have a voice reader that jumps straight to an article section, skips over the navigation. So right. as we build websites today, you can be thinking, I forgot the AVIA or AVA. There's also a, their JAWS-enabled web browsers mm. to allow people or not um, cited to to to, inter, to to participate in the, the new human economy. This is very important. So it's something we can do today, whereas the brain activity stuff might be a little bit ways off. But You mentioned the web. Wasn't there, back in the 90s, the SAPI was all about web tags for... For or speech tags for web browser buttons and oh, elements. Oh, the speech API. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, it didn't work. No, it didn't work. I wonder why. Did oh. anybody have experience with that here? No. No, I don't know. Yeah. Well, it's, um, it just goes to show you how difficult speech recognition really is. But, uh, yeah, try, try this particular experiment out. It's pretty cool. I, mean, I also was looking in there, and I saw a Zoom function mm-hmm. where if you turn it on, you can tap three fingers to zoom in and then use three fingers to move around. I have that enabled all the time on mine. Do you? Because I have very poor eyesight now. All of a sudden, yeah. that's what happens after you. Yeah. After you turn 30, your Staring eyes go. Staring at a screen for 45 25, really. After I turn 20. <laughs> <laughs> but interesting that there's so much accessibility in the iPhone. I had no idea. I don't have an iPhone for starters. But I that, have an iPhone and I didn't know that. There you go. Yeah, yeah me too. So obviously there's some work already being done here. It's not all going to be gesture-based. Well, um, one of the things that uh, – one of the big projects I'm working on, and this is going to take you know, years to complete, but now that I have this sort of easy way to program 
uh, speech without using grammars directly. The, uh, to go to the programmable web, programmableweb.com, which is a resource of every, you know, not every, but a big handful of web services, their REST services, JSON services, Azimax services, whatever you can access via the web that provides some kind of service. Wikipedia has one. Um, uh, Bing has the the maps, the uh, geographical stuff, weather, traffic, all of that, and also uh, links to Encarta. So if you can imagine, you know, your child, in, a kid in school or doing homework, asking the computer to tell them about, you know, some a historic place or event mm-hmm. uh, and having the kid be able to have a conversation and ask questions about it. And and how are you going to, what, what's the use case? Is this just uh, your fascinated? Just my house. You know, I just want to take, take my house and put microphones everywhere and talk to my computer. And talk to your refrigerator. Yeah. Beer, please. No, no, yeah. We have a dog to do that. Yeah. <laughs> you know, Kelly trained our dog to fetch beer. I, That's God, great. I just love that. That's yeah, awesome. it, it, she puts a towel around, this yeah. is usability. She puts a <laughs> towel around the um the, the door o- handle, the door handle. Yeah. and she says, Dante, fetch beer. And the dog <laughs> runs over, opens the door, sticks his nose in, and then it'll grab an American beer, you know. <laughs> it'll grab an American beer. <laughs> That's a shame. Uh, but it freaks out on the coldness. So it'll grab it, and sometimes the dog will drop it. So you can't do it with bottles. So you got to um, brush the dog's teeth with Sensodyne, I think. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Oh, when the teeth puncture the can, well, that's bad. It. You're missing the point, Miguel. The <laughs> point the is the dog fetches beer for you. It's a dog <laughs> that gets a beer. <laughs> no, I, 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 you know, I like the idea of taking programmable services and wrapping voice layers around them. Yeah. I love that idea. I can see you doing sessions next year. Oh, yeah. Yeah, with yeah. tons of cool demos. I would have done one here because I just... Just Rem- finished something pretty cool. Controlling your house from the other side of the world. I don't want to control my house. I want to access the web. You understand? Like dictionaries, thesauruses, reference material is one thing, but also about traffic, about you know things that you would go to the web to look up, about looking up books on Amazon. Read me the the you know top yeah. top nonfiction. Oh, 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 find me. You know, read me the synopsis of this book. Whatever it is. I mean, there's so many things that you can, anything that you can access as a service, you can wrap a voice layer around. Mm. It's pretty compelling, I think. Yeah, totally. And it's a nice project that'll keep me busy for a long time. I think we're done. Are we done? Are you guys done? Ready for beer? All right. Well, I'd like to, I'd like to, <laughs> yeah, where's Tim's dog? I'd like to thank <laughs> Tim Huckabee, Scott Stanfield. Give him a big round of applause. Thank you. We'll see you next time on Dot Net Rock. Dot Net Rocks is recorded and produced by Pwop Productions, providing professional audio, audio mastering, video, post production, and podcasting services. Online at www.pwop.com. .NET Rocks is a production of Franklin's Net, training developers to work smarter and offering custom on-site classes in Microsoft development technology with expert developers. Online at www.franklins.net. For more .NET Rocks episodes and to subscribe to the podcast feeds, go to our website at www.dotnet.com. 
R-O-C-K-S dot com. Got a transmitter band by the FCC.